Thanks, Ruben. All right, so sometimes um, before the sermon, I'll, I'll interview someone and, and kind of ask them, what's God doing? What's happening in your life right now? And, um, and today, I wanted to make sure that all of you kids who are in the room got to hear this interview, because we're getting to hear from Brandon Martin, but I get this sneaky suspicion that something's up. So we're going to hear from Brandon and hear what God's been doing in his life, and then after Brandon is done sharing this interview time, then we'll dismiss the kids at Children's Church, okay? But, but Brandon, are you, are you here? Could you come join me? We're, we're, it's time to get going here. You're, oh, you're Jonah. Uh, I, I guess it is Youth Sunday, isn't it? Oh, well, Jonah, would you, would you come join me on the stage? <laughs> well, we got a chair for you. You're not going to ruin it, are you? No. You smell a little fishy. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully it's not too bad. I hope so, too. I hope so, so, all right. So, well... <laughs> The, the, question, the question is always, what's God been doing in your life lately? So, all right, Jonah, what's God been doing in your life? Well, God um, called me to go to Nineveh. Um, it's a big city. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, no. Tell me about Nineveh. What do you know about it? Pretty much it's a big city, and I don't really like the people there. Oh, like, right. like uh, New York. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Something like that. <laughs> all, right. all right. So, so God called you to go to Nineveh. Well, when you went, what was it like? I, I didn't go. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I went down to this place, Joppa, and Nineveh is 550 miles away from Joppa, and I saw there was a boat going to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. So I'm like. Oh, that just checks that mark off the list. Let me pay the fare and hop on the boat. So, so okay, so God called you to go to Nineveh, and you went to Tarshish. That, that, so, so basically, God, it was like God telling me to go to Maine, and instead I go to Los Angeles. Is this what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. So how'd that go? Well, I was on the boat, and a big storm started, and the sailors um, were afraid. They were throwing cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And um, I decided to go take a nap. Took a nap? Yeah. I, was, I think I'd have been losing my mind. Yeah, there's a below deck place, and I went, and I fell into a deep sleep. Okay. <laughs> well, of course you did. Uh, all right, well, so, so Jonah, um, I guess the, the storm didn't take you out. You're sitting here talking to us today. Uh, what gives? What happened? Well, the captain came and woke me up and was like, well, why are you sleeping? The storm's happening. Sure, yeah. And um, then we casted lots to see, like, who had brought this upon us. Like, you cast lots to figure out whose fault it was. Yeah. That feels kind of random. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> because this big storm, it's threatening to break up the ship. And okay. So they wanted to see, like, whose fault this was. And um, it didn't go too well. It didn't go too well. No, it fell on me. So did, did you win at casting lots or did you lose at casting lots? Uh, I lost. <laughs> okay, so, so they're trying to figure out whose fault the storm is. The lot fell on you, and so they figured it's your fault? Yes. So did you have like a long argument, like you try to get out of this? What do you do with well, something like that? Well, they told me, like, what should we do to stop the storm? And I just told them to throw me overboard. They didn't like that idea. They didn't like that idea? No, they tried rowing back to the land. Like, uh -huh. they already tried it. Why did they try it again? Were these like rookie sailors or something? Did they not know what they were doing? I guess. 
<laughs> so, so, so they tried to rub up, but you said they tried. It doesn't sound like they succeeded. No. Um, then they decide, yeah, they decide to pray about it, and they called to their gods, like, don't hurt us for throwing this man overboard, and they threw me overboard into the water. And what happened when you... <laughs> okay, so you're, you're here. Again, I'm blown away by the fact that, Jonah, you are, are here with us. Um, so the storm didn't get you. They threw you into the water, and you're not dead yet. So what happened? Well, um, a big fish, whale thing, I don't really know what it was, came and swallowed me up. Um, <laughs> so I was in the belly of this fish whale. I, didn't, I only saw the inside of it, so I don't really know <laughs> what it was. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you must not have been in there very long. That doesn't sound like a very hospitable environment. <laughs> I was actually in there three days and three nights. Three days? Well, that, I know you haven't heard of Jesus yet because he's like still 800 years away, but that sounds really similar. So you're in the, be- you're in the belly of this fish whale thing. For, what else is in there with you? I don't know, dead fish, things that the fish would have eaten. Okay. It's kind of disgusting. I'll bet it was. Hopefully I don't stink too bad. Well, I'm keeping my distance. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, well, the storm didn't get you. The sea didn't get you. The fish got you, but you're still here. What, what happened? Well, towards the end of the three days, I prayed that, like, I would be able to get out, and then the God, ju- God just commanded the fish to spit me out on dry land. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that happens. I'm not, I've been to the beach. I've never seen fish spitting things out on dry land, but all right, all right. And so that, that's quite an ordeal. You're going to write a book? You, you're going to go on other... What, what do you do with all that? Well, I, I think I'm going to go to Nineveh. God called me to go to Nineveh, so I probably should go. Oh, time. God called you again? Yes. Yes, he did. I'll tell you what, man, if, if I called you the first time and you put you through all that, I don't think I'd be calling you again, but... Yes, he's a great God. <laughs> I guess so. All right, so you're headed to Nineveh. Um, you're going this time? Like, actually? Yeah. And what are you going to do? I'm going to preach them the gospel, teach them who God is. Well, Nineveh's a pretty rough place. Is that... Like, that's been tried. Do you think that's going to work? I hope so. God willing, Yes. All right. Well, um, hey, thanks for sharing your story, Jonah. Uh, is there anything else you want to share with us before you go? I mean, you've got a job that I want to hold you up anymore. You've had enough, enough problems. I think that's it. That's it? You're ready to go? Yep. All right. Well, get out of here. Well, Jonah, thank you for telling us your story uh, so accurately and colorfully. Um, It's always interesting to hear what God's up to, and God has used you in a really powerful way. Uh, Get dried off and and go go with God. Um, I wonder if... um, I wonder if this would be a good time to invite the kids to go out, because I have a couple thoughts for them, too. So... We've got Children's Church and Waterway 2-5 here at this church. What that means is Children's Church is for kids between four years old and first grade. Waterway 2-5, guess which grades that covers? That's second grade through fifth grade. Bud, you got it exactly right. And so if you guys are from four years old to first grade or second grade to fifth grade, I'd love to see you for just a minute, and then we're going to dismiss you out to Children's Church and Waterway 2-5. Hey, guys, how are you? 
Now, you didn't know that we had a celebrity, did you? No, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about behind you. (laughs) Maria King is here to share with you guys. And so I'm going to step out of the way because I think you have some very important information for them, don't you? All right. You better go to it. Uh, I'll give you a mic for sure. You have a flashlight in your house. What do you use them for? Like, what do you use them for? Um, I use them for like when like the lights would like go out. So mm-hmm. then I have to use the flashlight because that's the only thing that would be able to make light. Because yeah. glasses or something couldn't make light like that. Right. Our our eyes aren't made like some other animals' eyes that can see good in the dark, right? Like when the light goes out, like Bigfoot. When the light goes out, <laughs> we can't see. But why, what does it matter if we can't see? Did you ever try getting dressed in the dark? Did you ever try walking in the dark? You've walked in the dark, did you run into stuff? No, well you're pretty good at it then, yeah. If I try walking in the dark, I run into stuff. Yeah, so light is important, right? We all need light. Well, the reason I'm telling you about light is because that's what we're gonna talk about at VBS this year. We're gonna talk about shining Jesus' light to people around us when we're happy, when we're sad, no matter where we are, no matter how we're feeling. So I wanted to give you guys a little sneak peek into VBS this year. Um, Does anybody know how many weeks we have until VBS? Any guesses? Two, six, right in the middle. We've got four weeks until VBS. So that's really not that far away, right? Is anybody excited about VBS? Yeah? Yeah. Me? Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. (laughs) Well, I wanted you guys to know that there's only four more weeks, and I want you to get excited, because VBS is a lot of fun, right? Okay. All right. Are you guys ready to go? Ready to go in the back? Okay, let's put our hands together and close our eyes, right? Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for children, for the gift that they are. I thank you for the workers that are going to be helping them learn about you today. Give them creativity and energy and bless them for what they do. And we thank you for your light in our life and for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, walk, walk out. No running, please. Do that. I don't know. Look, look at, I've, I've been doing it wrong all these years. This is, this is beautiful. Sometimes it just takes a mom's touch, I guess. I don't, I don't know. So my name's Jesse. I'm in the youth group. Um, Mechanic Grove Church with Brother in Class in 1995. Um, it, it was interesting, um, interesting talking to Brandon here. Uh, I'm sorry, talking to Jonah as we talked to Jonah. You, you heard the story, and, and um, Jonah really did do a good job here of summarizing the first part. There's a, a book in the Bible called Jonah. It's four chapters long, and Jonah did a great job of, of kind of telling us a story that's wrapped up in the first two chapters. Um, God told him to go to Nineveh, and uh, that was 500 miles away in what we would now recognize as northern Iraq. Um, but Jonah headed towards Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles West, the other way, actually in what we now know as Spain. So Jonah was called to go to Iraq. Instead, he went to Spain and then um, got fishy and God got his attention until Jonah was then spit out on dry land and given the same charge again. 
go to Nineveh and preach to the people there. In fact, in Jonah chapter 3, and I'm just going to kind of quickly this morning go through Jonah 3 and 4 with you because there's some really powerful stuff in here that can really be applied to our lives, I think, pretty well if we'll, if we'll listen and pay attention. So in Jonah 3, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now, Nineveh, that was a city in the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians were often at war with Israel. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that that's one of those nations that just continues to give trouble to the Jewish people. And before the time of Jonah, Assyria was really powerful. They were really militarily strong. They were great with chariots, and they had a great central structure to their government. They were really able to impose their will on the Israelites, both before and after Jonah's time. But in the time of Jonah, there was a weaker king in Assyria. Nineveh was one of the cities there. And so the Assyrian Empire, for a couple of decades around the life of Jonah, was a little weaker than it had been. And so here in the time of Jonah, Assyria had declined a bit. They didn't have a strong central king, but each of the cities was still strong. I think this is why we're told that the city of Nineveh had a king, because each city was kind of doing its own thing in the time of Jonah. So that's a little bit of context. But now, unlike in Jonah chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see in Jonah 3, 3, that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, it says in verse 5 of Jonah chapter 3 that the Ninevites, that is, all the people who lived in Nineveh, the Ninevites believed God. So they heard Jonah, but they believed God. They could sense that there was something more going on here than just this Israelite coming and scolding them. So it says in Jonah 3, 5, that a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Sackcloth would have been a symbol of mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. These people were recognizing that they've been wrong. It says in verse 6 that when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he then issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. See, the Assyrians had all of their own gods. They had a whole host of idols that they prayed to. But it's clear that because of Jonah, and and honestly, these Assyrians had been side by side, shoulder by shoulder with the Israelites for centuries. These people knew about Israel's God. They never worshiped him, never turned to him. But now when Jonah spoke... At least the king could see that Israel's God was supreme. Something worked in the king's heart, or someone worked in the king's heart to change his mind. Because now he says, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And then look at verse 9. Who knows? Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Sometimes it comes down to life and death for us, doesn't it? Until we come to our senses. Sometimes we have to be 
shaken out of our complacency before we realize that we ought to come to the Lord. Now, these people in Nineveh, they were at such a spot that all it really took was a word. Their city didn't shake. There wasn't a calamity. People weren't sick and dying any more than they normally would have been. They simply heard the word of the Lord through Jonah, and they were convicted. And so the king says, no, we're going to fast. We're going to do everything we can do so that we are not overthrown the way Jonah declared that we would be. That's quite an act of faith, isn't it? One preacher comes to town saying not much more than just 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. One preacher and the king and the whole city, even the animals, fast, hoping that God will relent with compassion. It says in verse 10 of Jonah 3 that when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God gave these people some time. See, the Ninevites, in fact, the whole Assyrian Empire, were actually destroyed by some other nations about 150 years later. The the Ninevites and the Assyrians, as they were composed at that time, did not continue on indefinitely. But do you see the grace of God on this city at this time? God relented and gave generations an opportunity to live, to realize that he was God and to serve him. That should have been a great cause for celebration. Because I'm going to tell you right now that if I were to walk anywhere and simply say what God told me to say and everybody said, preacher, you're exactly right, that would be a win. I'd be excited. Jonah, not so much. It says in Jonah chapter four, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. There are two instances of Jonah praying in this book of Jonah. The first is when he finds himself in the belly of what Jonah described as the fish whale thing. He just saw it from the inside. He prayed and said, God, would you please spare me? This is the second prayer now. Also coming from a place of pain. But look what Jonah prayed, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? It's kind of an I told you so kind of prayer, isn't it? Look at this. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. In other words, Jonah said, I've been trying to avoid this very thing that you've brought about. This is why I didn't want to come. I didn't want this to work. I didn't want this to happen. Why? Look what it says here in Jonah 4, 2, the second part of it. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. Sounds like a good thing, right? Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? Well, it sounds like a good thing if God is gracious and compassionate with you. If God is slow to anger and abounding in love for you. If God relents from sending calamity to you, then that's a good thing. But what does Jonah say? Look at Jonah 4.3. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Because God decided to show his grace and his mercy. God decided to show his full character and his compassion to people Jonah hated. And now Jonah's saying, God, this doesn't make any sense. Jonah's so worked up, he says, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than live. The Lord replied, Jonah 4.4, is it right for you to be angry? 
Jonah, without answering, had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. He had built a shelter. There was a leafy plant that grew up and gave him some shade. This is Jonah chapter 4. You can read all the details if you want it. Jonah liked that leafy plant that gave him shade because it was hot. But in the morning, God sent a worm to eat the plant, and it died, and Jonah didn't like that. It says he wanted to die, and Jonah said to God again, it would be better for me to die than to live. I went and preached what you told me to preach, and I was 100% successful, and now I would rather just die. It sounds absurd, doesn't it? Jonah 4.9, God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? that grew up in a day and was chewed off in a day. It is right, Jonah said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. When's the last time you said that? He didn't say, God, I'm so angry I wish you were dead. Jonah at least had the sense to say, I'm so angry I wish I were dead. You can see the emotion here, can't you? There's a lot happening, a lot going on. But here's what the Lord says, and this is how the book of Jonah kind of wraps up. The Lord said, You've been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals? That's, that's the book of Jonah. God says to Jonah, you're angry about this plant. You're angry about this city. You're angry about these people. Do you have a right to be so angry? Jonah says, yes! I'm so angry, I wish I would die. What do you and I learn from this story? I mean, what is there in this for us? Who cares? Right? Like, who cares? What's the difference? What's it matter? Well, I've got a couple thoughts for you and a couple ideas, a couple things I want to invite you just to think about. First of all, as Jonah made very clear to us, it does no good to run from God's call in your life. I'm speaking now, especially to those of you who are Christians, those of you who are listening to God, those of you who are kind of plugged in with God's moving. If you hear from God, follow through. If God calls you to go to Nineveh, don't run the other way to Tarshish. God calls you to go to Maine, don't go to Los Angeles. God calls you to go to Oxford, don't run off to Lancaster. Right? When God calls... Dig into that. It may not be what you want or what you expect, but when God calls, that is your marching order. And if God is your king, you go where he calls you to march. That's one lesson from the book of Jonah that we probably don't have to linger on very long. A lot of you are saying, yes, this makes sense. Something else I think that's important for us to learn, though, from this story is that we need to remember that God took the initiative to care for Nineveh. This town, this city of 120,000 people, it's a three days journey to kind of get through it all. There's a lot there to see. There's a lot going on. And these people, they are so lost, God says they don't know their right hand from their left. They are, as Maria kind of indicated here in the children's story, they're in the dark. There is nothing about Nineveh other than the fact that they are people, there is nothing about Nineveh that has earned God's favor or that has gotten God's attention in a good way that God says, oh, I, boy, I guess I'll love them now because they've been so wonderful. No, this is a broken, messed up city. And yet God took the initiative and he sent Jonah there. Nobody from Nineveh asked God to send anyone. Did you notice that? Nobody from Nineveh said, oh God, we are in trouble. This is falling apart. Would you help us? Nobody said that until Jonah went. 
There's nobody looking for Jonah, asking for Jonah, and God didn't hear a plea for Jonah. God just said, Jonah, I want you to go to this city. These people are lost. Go preach to them. That doesn't jive with anything in your world, does it? Is there anybody in your world, maybe it's not even anybody you know, but anybody you've heard about who doesn't seem to know their right hand from their left? They don't know right from wrong. They don't know, oh, what are some of the other things that we can argue about? They don't know good from bad. They don't know male from female. They, right? What are, what are the roads that we could go down with this? Do you know anybody who's just absolutely lost? Not calling out to God at all, but, but just content to be where they are. Do you know? I know people like this. Do you? What is God's response to them here in this story of Jonah? God says, these people don't know their right hand from their left. They're even following other gods, but God says, I have such compassion on them. I will send someone to preach. And Jonah went and he preached and it worked. Now, there have been preachers who have been sent in our world, in our time. There have been preachers who have been sent by God very clearly to places in the world or places in their town where things seem like a mess, and they didn't have a 100% success rate. There are preachers who went and, and didn't seem to have the same kind of approval rating that Jonah ended up with. But do you see the love of God here? Is there anything that you can learn, that I can learn, about this love that God shows to these people who are so lost who are acting so wickedly and who are frankly, before Jonah, not turning to God at all. In Ezekiel 18, 20, God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel and God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. And he says to Ezekiel and to the Israelites, he says to repent and live. God desires for people to have life. And so I think it's important for us to remember that probably in these times where it is very obvious that some of our friends and some of our neighbors, some of our governors and some of our politicians, some of the people who have authority, some of the people who have influence in our world, it is very obvious that some of them have no idea which way is right and which way is left. Yet what is God's response through Jonah? God says, I will have compassion on them. And there's probably some part of us that needs to be a little bit more compassionate and a little less hateful. This doesn't mean that we blur lines between what's good and what's evil. It doesn't mean that we, that we just pretend everything's okay. And it doesn't mean that, that we turn our hearts to anger, bitterness, and judgment, which is so tempting. What it means is that I think we should be living lives of expectation and hope, just wondering, God, when are you going to work? How will we see you work? And how can we be partners with you in your work among these people who don't know their right from their left? Melanie told me a story the other day. The first graders from Oxford were going to the Plumpton Park Zoo down close to Rising Sun. And they got about a mile outside of Oxford, just out here on Mount Pleasant Road. And one of the kids saw a pasture of dairy cows and got really excited because he said, look, real actual cows. <laughs> and we just talked about how kind of wild that is for us. I mean, this kid lives in Oxford lives here. But because of his situation, because of a million factors that I don't know about, he doesn't see cows every day. It was an exotic thing for him. His world is very small. 
And yet, what is our response when we drive through town and we see people acting out of their minds? Do we have compassion? Do we think about how they were raised? Do we think about the love that people need? Or or do we quickly go to what's wrong with them? I too quickly go to the what's wrong kind of an accusation. God cares for people who have no understanding at all. These people in Nineveh, they're Gentiles. They're not Jewish people. They should have been able to see God in creation, but their parents weren't teaching them anything like what the Jews taught their kids. Some of you can relate, can't you? Some of you are sitting here today and you're looking around and you wish you would have grown up in the homes of some of your Christian brothers and sisters here. Some of you look around and you wish you would have grown up with a faithful father and a faithful mother who told you about the Bible and you feel like you're behind because you didn't learn about all this good stuff about God until much later in life. Let me tell you, God loves you the same as he loves everybody else. God has compassion on all of these folks, just like he has compassion on all of us. And the invitation continues to be, come get close to me. These people in Nineveh, they didn't start out on the right foot. They didn't know one hand from the other. They didn't have anything going for them, but God loved them. God cared for them enough to send Jonah and enough to make Jonah really, really, really effective. And we see that God forgives all who turn to him. Just as he called out through the prophet Ezekiel to the Israelites and said, repent. Here, the Lord says, I am concerned about this city of more than 120,000 people. I am concerned about these people I love. What do we do with this? Three things for you. Number one, keep yourself open to God moving in any direction. God might call you to a place that you don't want to go. God might call you to people that you don't love, don't even like. If God calls, you'd better go. Because we're in this time where it ain't over yet. And we're in this time where God is working and working and working to bring more and more people to him. And it happens in ways that we don't expect and that we can't anticipate. As I was talking with the youth a month and a half ago, what do you want this service to be like today? What kind of message do you guys want to deliver? The youth said, we want people to understand that God loves everyone and that everyone matters to God. Aren't you glad that the youth at your church have such a heart? But you grown-ups who have known the Lord for a long time, do you remember that same kind of thinking? Do you remember all the time that God loves all the people and God might just be calling you to be the one to go? And, And going doesn't have to mean going all the way to Nineveh or even fleeing to Tarshish. Going might just be get out of your living room. Walk to your kid's bedroom. Go there and talk about God. It might just be walk across the street and talk about God. It might be go to China and talk about God. But when God calls, you need to keep yourself open to moving in any direction he calls you. A couple of weeks ago, I got to go to a breakfast with Global Disciples. They're one of the missions that we support, Global Disciples. As was mentioned, they're they're the, the group that we're really praying and giving towards here in the month of May. Um, Global Disciples is based in Lancaster, and they work with people all around the world, training local folks to share the gospel with their community in all kinds of countries, all kinds of cultures, all around the world. As of right now, there are a little over 8 billion people in the world. 8 billion. That's an 8 with 9 zeros. Population is growing every day. We're at 8 billion. Did you know the United States 
The population of the United States right now, about 330, 335 million. The United States, no matter how much we get wrapped up in our culture and our, we're really only about 4% of the world's population. Think about that for a moment. The world that you know, the media that you hear, the voices that influence you the most. 4% of the world's population. Sometimes our picture of the world is quite inaccurate. Sometimes we Americans forget what is happening around us. We assume that people have the same background that we do, the same upbringing. We assume that people have had the same kind of access to the Lord. We really get off track. But we're 4% of the world and we lament about the state of our country. We lament about the state of Christianity. We wonder how things are going because we hear so many terrible stories. But I was encouraged at the Global Disciples Breakfast when Galen Burkholder, the, the chairman of Global Disciples, he shared that every hour around the world, mission folks, Christian folks have gotten together and made estimates. The conservative estimate is that 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ every hour around our world. Some of us are tempted to say it seems like faith is dying because maybe around you it is. Some of us are tempted to say, but it just doesn't seem like, like this God thing is taking hold because maybe around you the people are growing cold, but our world is only 4% of the world. 3,000 people come to faith every hour, 50 people every minute. <laughs> 1,000 people have believed in Jesus Christ since I started talking to you this morning. Is our God at work? Is anything happening that's worth celebrating? Yes, it is. Perhaps you don't see it right here. Maybe it's not just outside your door in a way that you've been able to understand, but our God is still at work. And if God decides that you need to go or you need to stay, brother, sister, you do it. Because he knows what's going on, even in this broken world where everybody has access to the brokenness. 3,000 people every hour, 50 people every minute, just about every second, somebody else is coming to faith in Jesus Christ around our world. Is our God powerful? Is there somebody in our universe that is worth following? Is there somebody who has the authority to challenge us to go and then can make us successful when we get there? This is the God that we serve. Don't let the way that God uses you be the point. Jonah didn't, want, Jonah didn't want this job. Jonah didn't want to go into town and become a liar. What did he tell them? 40 days, Nineveh's going to be overthrown. And then when they repented, they're not going to be overthrown anymore. Jonah knows what a false prophet is. And Jonah's mad. He says, God, you made me out to be a liar. But God says, this is my compassion on these people of Nineveh. So church, keep yourself open to God moving in any direction. Don't let the way that God uses you be the point. The point is that God is moving. Ride that wave. And then just kind of a final reminder. There are some people in your life who are really far from God right now. Have you ever said, I can't wait until they get what's coming to them? 
Well, if you've said that, you're in good company. That was Jonah too. He couldn't wait until those Ninevites, those Assyrians, those enemies of his, he could not wait until they received God's judgment. He couldn't wait until they got what was coming to them. There are some of you in the room right now that if I were to ask you to make a list of the people that, the people that you just don't care for, you'd be able to make a long list quickly. I want you to consider that God may yet call you to be Jonah for them. There are people in your life who you may have disqualified and yet God may use you to bring the gospel to them. Are you open to that? Are you listening for that? The atheist who says there is no God, God may call you to go to them. The hypocrite who says there is a God but lives like there is not, God may call you to be a witness to them no matter how much they anger you. The people who want to hurt you, God may call you to go be a missionary there. Anybody want to go be a missionary to Moscow today? Beijing, North Korea, New York City. (laughs) You think God doesn't care about these people? They don't even know their right hand from their left. God continues to call people out into the world. And God is working in the world at the rate of 3,000 an hour. And and Galen Burkholder told us pastors who were there, he said, that is a conservative estimate. There are some who think it's twice that. God may call you to the atheist or to the hypocrite or to the person who wants to hurt you. You know, God may even call you to the person who has hurt you. And this is where you need to really make sure you're listening to God because if we charge in on our own agenda, we can get re-hurt. We can become devastated and we can see terrible amounts of pain brought upon us that, that God never hoped for us. But there are people who have hurt you who may need to hear God's love from you. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe your siblings with whom you don't have a great relationship. Maybe it's your ex. Maybe it's that person who hurt you in ways that you've never told anyone about. What if God called you to go and share God's truth and grace with them? Now make sure you hear me clearly. I'm not telling you right now that God is calling you to go to these people, but what I'm asking you to think about is what if God did? Where is your heart at? Are you willing to go where God calls you, even if it's to Nineveh? That's the lesson from the book of Jonah. There are people in our lives who seem so messed up There are people in our lives who are doing evil. And yet every indication from the book of Jonah is that God loves them still. And so if God calls you to go to them, will you? Are you going to run the other way? That's the challenge. I can't answer the question for you. You're going to need to answer it yourself. But I hope you will. I hope you'll think about that. Are you listening for God really And are you willing to go wherever he calls? Can we pray together? Lord, help us. Help us to, um, (laughs) 
Help us to obey you the way Jonah eventually did. But Lord, help us to have a better attitude. Help us not to sit and whine in our own preferences. Help us not to sit and complain when people turn to you instead of reaping the devastation that we wish they would receive in judgment. Lord, help us to have the kind of compassion that you do, even for folks who are so lost, so broken, so off track, and so close to us. Lord, I thank you for the way that you are working in this world right now, and I thank you for the 1,500 people who have come to faith just in the time of this sermon. And Lord, I pray that those folks who are coming to faith would would begin to include more and more of the people here in our neighborhood, the people in our homes, the people in our county, in our state, and in our country. Lord, I pray that more and more folks would continue to give their faith to you. Thank you, God, for loving us all enough to reach out. Thank you for Jesus. And give us strength and power now to tell everyone we know about our Savior who loves even those folks who don't know their right from their left, who loved even us when we couldn't tell our right from our left. Holy Spirit, please now come and make us ready for things we were not ready for before. Holy Spirit, please come and fill our hearts now so that we can say the things that we've never been able to say before, so that we can see things happen that we've never seen before. Lord, we would love, we would love to align with you more closely. Holy Spirit, help us. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Will you stand?